one. All right. Welcome to uh, the new podcast, Sanjay Unfiltered. Um, Sanjay Mocha, and we're here starting off. I got my buddy Austin Cubier, who is an economics major at the University of South Florida. He works valet and a bunch of other fucking jobs all the time. That boy always finding ways to make bread. Uh, he and I met here. I'm at Temple University right now in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And that is where Austin and I met. Uh, we started on the rowing team before they cut the lightweight program, cut a bunch of some of the guys that were there pre-COVID. Um, and then eventually, right, you just decided that, you know, Temple and Philadelphia wasn't right for you and made your way down to sunny South Florida. Yeah, it was definitely a good move. I decided uh, it was a little difficult transferring schools and credits and blah, 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 but it's definitely been worth it for uh, my progress as a human. Moving down to the warm, sunny Philadelphia. I mean, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel you. I feel you. I just think it's so funny now as we got that flip, right? Like Austin's from what I like to call buttfuck New York, uh, which is just, oh, yeah. you know, up, upstate New York. Um, and I'm actually originally from Miami Beach, Florida, and I moved from sunny Florida up to where it's always sunny in Philadelphia, which we all know <laughs> to be not true, especially on a beautiful gray day like today. Um, but I'm actually really glad that Austin, uh, that you've moved down there and that you liked it because you and I obviously went on that fun little training trip uh, during spring break. Austin and I were two of the guys that were not selected our freshman year, 2019-2020. Uh, to go on the 2020 spring training trip to Clemson. And we found our way to finesse Temple University to give us like $400 <laughs> each per diem to stay for free at my crib in Miami Beach for spring break and trained out of the Miami Beach Rowing Club and caught an absolute vibe, I would say. Yeah, it was a great trip. Really worked my ass off that week and then came back on like a Sunday and Wednesday we were sent home because of COVID. Yeah, man. I mean, that really fucking changed everything for us. And then, of course, during COVID, being here at Temple, Austin and I exploring uh, the world of the, wor the world, man. Like, honestly, like we really got on our philosophical shit and started having some spiritual awakenings and, you know, lost some friends, gained some friends. We were going to live together at one point before you ended up moving down there. But like, it's just, it's crazy. And now the two of us, like we're kind of locked in here to be some lifelong friends. If I, I mean, don't want to speak for you I there. But, uh, yeah. I mean, we've <laughs> even got plans to live together in the future, go on some crazy hikes and journeys and travel the world, anything we can. Right. Most definitely, man. Yeah, and I guess like most recently, the two of us have embarked on uh, on trying to stop smoking weed, man. We, we've given up the stoner lifestyle here. So today is what, day 15 here, November 11th, day 15. Uh, made it past the first two weeks. I mean, shit, that, not as easy as you would think. No, it was kind of like a day-by-day -day thing. And then eventually it was like, oh, shit, it's been a week. And then, oh, shit, it's been two weeks, you know? Yeah, I mean, of, fuck. Yeah, it, it didn't really feel like that through the process. But now that we're here, it's like, wow, I'm proud of ourselves. Yeah, definitely. Especially since a lot of the times, like, people report that after the first two weeks, you do start to note, like, it is kind of like you've almost separated yourself from the lifestyle. Obviously, with the amount of time that we were smoking, I think it's about four years for the both of us. Um, it's going to take at least, you know, a month to get the THC and whatnot completely out of our system before we'd like, you know, test negative on a drug test or sorry. Yeah. Test negative on a drug test. 
And then, mm-hmm. um, and then our goal is actually to, to not touch it whatsoever until 2023. Right. I mean, two full months and, yeah, you know, the yeah. idea was one month to get it out of the system, one month to then, you know, experience it out of the system. Cause I mean, shit, four years of smoking relatively every day, uh, even if it's just a tiny amount, even if it is in some responsible way where we've got our workout done, our schoolwork done, we made money, it's the end of the day, you're just eating dinner. Like, I don't know, like, I guess, like, I don't want to speak for you here, because I know we have a lot of, uh, like, similarities in terms of why we decided to do this. But like, even though we there were times when we were smoking, I guess what you would call maybe responsibly, um, like, why, why did you think that, you know, this was really the time to stop? Uh, I kind of came to a point where I was looking back on my, my past self and like kind of seeing that I wasn't fulfilled with what I've been doing. It was kind of like that instant pleasure that you usually get from smoking, that dopamine fulfillment. And then I just started looking back on what I was doing with my past self and it wasn't something was fulfilling like I've broken down before and being like wow what am I really doing with my life I've just been high every day for the past few years and wasn't constantly productive I lost all my motivation my drive to you know be healthy I want to take care of my body so my body could live on yeah I mean absolutely I definitely you mentioned the dopamine and the instant gratification of it is you know my biggest thing that I think I've realized part of it and then also now you know withdrawing from it is that I wasn't allowing myself to get bored, you know, like be bored as a little kid, you're bored in the shower, you know, like I just always joke as little kids never want to take baths or showers. You get bored and you end up what playing with all the little soaps, man, you start making up different mm-hmm. shit. I know kids used to make potions and shit and their parents would get mad at them. And I don't know me, man, they was, they were like people. I had like storylines going. Cause it was like, I, you know, no one wants to be bored, but that's, I feel like when you're most creative, I guess is why I'm using that joking child in the shower playing with like, you know, random objects and giving them names or making a potion out of literal chemicals. Like, you know, like even something like that, or, you know, you see little kids at the beach playing with the sand, like, you know, how many people, you know, without purpose, right? Like nobody nowadays really allows themselves to get bored. Like, you know, once you're done doing the things that are purposeful, uh, you know, that's when I think we start turning to the alcohol, the weed, and then, you know, some people go above and beyond and have it even, you know, a little bit more than that. And it's like, you know, people discuss it being an escape. And of course, like, you know, we know that, you know, smoking weed is not a completely mind altering substance to the point where you're unable to think properly and whatnot. But like you mentioned that dopamine instant gratification, and, and I was just saying about being bored, is I just feel like it's almost like an excuse, like, you know, it makes feeling shitty feel less shitty, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, it came to a point where it was like my only way to escape from my like reality, the things that I had to do. And even if I was done with all my things for the day, you know, there's always the things for tomorrow and the things after that that you had to plan for. Weed was just that escape from my responsibilities and made me forget about everything else so that I could feel content in the moment. But in reality, you want to always, you know, be going somewhere and getting things done because it feels good rather than just forgetting about it and waiting until the last minute. I'm a big procrastinator, especially when I was smoking a lot of weed. 
Yeah, that's one thing I think the two of us in our discussions over the last two weeks about because like you said, it's day by day. And so Austin and I here have been using each other, not as necessarily a crutch, but I mean, the two of us going through it, literally starting on the same day, going through it, having almost like the exact same goal here, going back and forth. Hey, man, what's your experience? Hey, this experience. And I think one of the biggest things we've kind of noticed is some of the things about our energy levels and, and maybe like determination, motivation, discipline. Uh, we didn't even know that it was maybe attributed to weed as you were like, huh, at a time that I wouldn't be smoking anyway, like being in class for school or being at work, maybe where you'd normally be sober anyhow, um, that we didn't notice how much more productive we are now just by not having it part of our lifestyle anymore, you know? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. In classes, too. I mean, when you're high the night before and you're waking up, your mind isn't really you know, all there and you can't really comprehend everything and you're not super motivated or aware or you can't process things the right way. When your teacher's talking in class, you know, it kind of just goes in one ear and out the other. And now that I'm not high all the time and like I don't have the long lasting effects, you can really constantly be, be listening and understanding and comprehending. Yeah. I feel like I've noticed like, you know, I, I've always been like, like I, if, you know, if I'm paying attention, it's a class I like, stuff that I know. And even if I kind of know the answer, teachers raising, I, I, as a kid, I was always the kid raising my hand, answering questions and stuff. And I've noticed now, you know, I'll still go for it, but I'll be late, you know, like I won't be the first, like hmm. I, I won't be the one to get the question first. And ever since stopping smoking, I feel like I get the answer quicker. You know, not that it's not there, you know, it's not that it's impairing my ability to think, but it's like a lag, you know, like you said, like, you know, waking up like you're not all there like you go into class like you smoke the night yeah. before like I never used to understand why people would say oh I can't smoke I gotta go to I gotta do something in the morning and I was like I was always like man you're gonna sleep way better like what you talking about like what do you mean it's not gonna affect you tomorrow it's not like alcohol and people always describe that weed hangover and I was like you know huh, I, I don't know about that like that just seems like maybe you didn't sleep well enough but a lot of people mention I think we talked about like the weed nap that feeling of, you know, take a nice long yeah. weed nap, you wake up and usually what makes the weed nap so fire is that when you wake up, you don't have anything to do. So you can take that time to wake up. So you allow yourself to feel that after high from the sleep. And it's like, I think that that's maybe that kind of weed hangover feeling people are talking about. And, and that lack of motivation that you and I talk about with not being able to get up for something as much or as quickly or what you want to do, or you kind of convince yourself that, you know, 15 minutes will be enough for me to get ready for the whole day, even though you won't be back at your apartment for hours. Like, is that really mm -hmm. enough time? And you know, I noticed stuff with food, like, you know, not like an eating disorder in that sense, but more like because weed has that appetite, uh, like, you know, what's it called? Stimulating feeling and whatnot that you you end up kind of just knowing that you can eat hella food later. So if you if you missed out on breakfast, you're like, I'll just eat a fat lunch and you almost look forward to it because you're like, hey, now I can eat like hella fire food and all this shit. And and you even speak about taking care of your body. And I noticed the you know, you gravitate yeah. towards shitty food when you're high, like you, you want to eat that instant gratification stuff. If you think pizza, you want to eat pizza like mm -hmm. I'm kind of the opposite in that when I was smoking a lot, it was more like I would push off eating or I'd forget or I'd like wake up in the morning and I'd instantly smoke a bowl and then I'd be like not hungry and then I'd realize hours later I'm like holy shit I'm starving like what the hell you forget that you didn't eat for yeah me, I mean I know there like, was a time sorry you go no nah, for me it was kind of like I was missing meals I was skipping meals I was 
eating the bare minimum just to like have that little bit of energy to get up and smoke the next bowl. <laughs> Yo, exactly. I mean, I know. Do you remember when I was back in my apartment over, you know, the Antoinette, you know, stories about yeah. that for maybe a later podcast. But that was a time when I was literally I created a life. It was during COVID and I was taking a part time semester for mental health anyway. But it ended up, you know, I ended up falling down into the spiral almost like a little bit deeper, even though there were some positives that came out of it. I shaped my lifestyle around being able to get the most out of smoking weed. I mean, I started sleeping two different sleep cycles, taking like, you know, two, four to five hour sleeps so that I could wake up and smoke because, you know, that wake and bake feeling is always great. Mm -hmm. So I got to wake and bake twice a day instead of once a day. And I got to, and that whole, like you're talking about eating is I actually lost, I mean, I dropped down to the lowest weight I've been since like going through puberty. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, about six feet tall. So I'm either 5'11 and a half or six foot and a half. It changes all the damn time. Um, I don't really mind. Uh, but even let's say 5'11, 5'11 and a half, six foot, like, and I'm, and I'm a lightweight rower, supposed to sit around 160 pounds, maybe, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. And I dropped down. I mean, I hit 140 flat, you know? And so for me, that was like oh. seven, 8% body fat, unhealthy, losing muscle mass. I mean, I got pictures of me being skinny. I mean, I didn't look like I was like I had any sort of eating disorder, but I would go. And that's why I was saying for me, I noticed is I, I was saying I wanted to give the disclaimer of the, that it wasn't necessarily an eating disorder because I would n miss out on all this food and then freak out and feel the need to almost like binge, you know, try to get oh, yeah. as many calories in as possible to make up for it, especially being an athlete that, you know, if I'm, if I need 1800 calories just to live and then I burn another, you know, 2000 training, and I haven't eaten all day. Like you got to eat a three to four, excuse me, three to 4,000 calorie meal. Like you end up not, like you said, like you end up eating the bare minimum just to have energy to smoke that next bowl. Yeah, for sure. Good shit, man. But anyhow, I mean, maybe so some of the reasons I guess there, why we wanted to stop and, and kind of the crappiness of the lifestyle that we kind of, I guess like the big summary you and I found was that we were framing a lot of our lifestyle around smoking that even if we weren't smoking till the end of the day, that responsible level of smoking, it was, well, the whole day was only towards smoking. It was look yeah. forward to smoking, get through this so that I can smoke. And if you're trying to get through something so that you can get the reward at the end of it, you're really not dedicating much time. Like you said, if you, we told ourselves, you know, go to class and you earned your weed. But if you're not paying attention to jack shit, then almost going to class is like only like a 5% increase in productivity there. Um, and so yeah. I guess I want to bring back around what you and I did at the beginning of this semester, right before starting, it was about a week out from the start of our semesters, um, that you and I had a pretty long FaceTime phone call, um, that we kind of was almost like a precursor that I would say foreshadowed this decision for us to stop smoking weed. Do you remember that? I do. Yes. We spent a while creating a ideal self list of all the ideal version the all ideal aspects of what our future self would be what we see yeah i mean we i, I think i i was like i said the one thing i really wanted us to look at was like when you're looking at your ideal self it's so hard because you're going to fall short right you're always going to fall short of your ideal self and so i guess like we found that little paradox of like let's write down those like aspects like you said that if everything goes perfectly this semester it's achievable but we all know that 
everything won't go perfectly, right? Like if, you know, you, if you leave, if you leave the house, what, what second do you have to leave the house to get to work exactly on time? If nothing goes wrong, you know, it's possible, but what are the odds that you're not going to go one mile slower for, you know, half a mile, or you're not going to have to, you know, go around a couple cars or there's a red light that you hit or some old lady stuck in the middle of the road, like, or it's raining, you know? And so little shit that we can't control. So I think, I think if we went back to that ideal sheet right now, we'd probably feel pretty crappy about ourselves because we've definitely (laughs) fallen short. Um, But I think one thing we made sure we had on there was because we talked about how we want to end our semester. Like, how do we want to come home? What is the profile of the person that we want to be coming home for Thanksgiving and then consequently coming home for for that holiday Christmas break? And uh, I mean, we're, you know, November 11th, we have, you know, this weekend and then next week's the last week before that Thanksgiving break. So we're just about to come into it. And I think one of the things we both wrote was it'd be really nice to be able to come home saying we don't smoke. Yeah, that was definitely a big thing. I know that like pleasing my parents and having them, you know, be happy with the things that I'm doing on a daily basis is something that makes me feel good too. You know, I want them to be able to be like, wow, like he's really doing well and he's finally like trying to better himself. So being able to come in the door for Thanksgiving or Christmas break and be like, yeah, I've stopped smoking weed and it's changed my life. Like that would make them feel good, which ends up making me feel good, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of implications, especially with people that don't smoke. I mean, honestly, everyone, like someone who doesn't smoke, like I guess the only people that really don't, that it doesn't phase is the people that socially smoke, but don't need to. If it's offered, they're oh, okay. Those are the only people I've noticed that have no real reaction because they're just kind of like they already have a pretty decent control over the habit, I guess. But people who smoke yeah. often are like, wow, like good for you. Cause it's like, you know, they almost everyone has that thought. Like every everyone who smokes, even people talk about tolerance breaks, right? The tea break that, you know, everyone always wants to start their tea break. And, you know, what about when you and Simon freshman year, yo, we're gonna take a tea break? And it was like what, like two days made it two days right because yeah. everyone's like man fuck this you know like you know, fuck this and uh but yeah so the people that you know smoke a lot are like wow that's impressive because they understand what you're kind of giving up like it is a lifestyle and then um the people that don't smoke basically ever are like oh shit like awesome welcome to the club like you know what i mean like <laughs> so a lot of people i feel like that's one positive thing is anyone that i've told about it in terms of friends and such have been like oh wow that's like that's actually great like that's impressive like good luck like how are you feeling um and so definitely coming back to your family um i know that like you know pretty sure my family my you know they haven't said it but i know they've been there um they, they've mm-hmm. definitely smoked and who knows but I know my mom at least right now definitely has not smoked I think since she got pregnant with me so that's been you know almost 22 years so she's not necessarily like an angry avid person against it but if I told her that I haven't been smoking weed for you know the past few weeks leading up to it and I don't plan on it anymore and that my life feels better because of it I mean that's like a that's definitely going to be a proud mom moment which you know yeah even though maybe, you know, you're doing it for yourself, it's great to have that, that external regulation there. Because, I mean, we are, you know, we're humans, right? Like, we care what other people think. I actually, I've told my mom already. You have? Like, yeah, every day, she's kind of like, oh, how are you feeling today? It's been like a few days. I'm like, yeah. 
So she's kind of like, kind of happy that I'm doing it. And she's proud of me. And each day she's like, oh, good for you. You know, it's been a few days. Even that one night I went out with my buddies and she was like, oh, did you smoke? And I was like, no. And she was like, oh, good job. <laughs> yeah, I remember you texting me about that beforehand. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I felt bad because that's definitely my thing. I mean, all my buddies down in Miami, I mean, you've been down there with me. Like, uh, I mean, they're yeah. in the music industry. A lot of my friends are videographers, producers, engineers, you know, singers, songwriters, rappers, all that kind of stuff. And so you know, it's, it's completely socially acceptable in that world, you know, like you go to a rock and roll concert and, you know, no one's telling you not to smoke. And then back in the day, no one's, you know, yeah. all the drugs and, and, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, like, you know, it's, it's acceptable. And, and it's also part of it. I mean, I've been to the studio with my buddies and, you know, we show up with a bottle of Hennessy and everyone's got their weed and they're ready to roll up and it's part of the culture. And, and that's where I say, I think the lifestyle part of it, is actually maybe the more difficult thing to separate yourself from is eventually we've realized, you know, we don't want to be high right now. That's what we were giving up. We don't want that cloudiness. Right. But at the same mm -hmm. time, when you're sitting there and all your friends are rolling up and they're lighting up and you can <laughs> smell it and you can see it and then you've been there. So, you know, it's quality, you know, there's quantity and you're <laughs> like, man, all I need is one. Hit. But it's like, cause it's fun. It's definitely fun. Yeah, in the right setting with the right people, it can be fun. My friends who are now living in St. Pete, Florida, they have basically evolved their lives around smoking every day. And even though they're working a remote job and they kind of have a high value job in this company, they're, they're always smoking weed. And I don't know how they function. It's come to a point where they need the weed to be able to function. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that with diet with food we mentioned earlier is just for me, that was probably, I mean, diet, food and sleep, uh, sleep. It just takes a little, it took a little longer to fall asleep the first few nights. Um, yeah. and so that was a little awkward. Uh, you definitely, I woke up a few more times than I'm used to. Cause I guess, you know, that first few hours, you're kind of like sleeping off the weed. It's like a four hour weed nap and then you're already in deep sleep. So then you just wake up in the morning, but food for me, I mean, I, I'm eating, le I mean, for good and for worse, like um, regulating my diet, I would just, I would purposefully make sure that I would smoke before eating because I was like, it's going to be more enjoyable. Yeah, made food taste better and kind of just, yeah, I was definitely having that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, like when you're, when you're in it, and I still get it, like, I don't think we were idiots, but I think. And I don't think anyone who does is necessarily a bad thing. Like we're just speaking about both of our friend groups that their lives not necessarily revolve around weed as in like, that's all they care about. Like, and that's, it's not necessarily that form. It's not like a heroin addiction where, you know, you're going out there and sucking dick on the corner for money. Like, hmm. you know, I, I don't think I know any of my friends who would like compromise themselves or their morals just to smoke a little weed, <laughs> you know, but yeah if it's there and avail unless it's literally not there or available like why wouldn't you you know and so it's got to be there and you know i remember my buddy rajiv was talking about it one time and he was like you know i've noticed how much our lives revolve around weed is you know like they're going to the studio all right the buddies show up you roll up and you smoke and then you know you're deciding okay we're about to leave all right but let's roll up and smoke first and then while smoking once you're kind of done all right you ready to leave all right yeah but let's roll one for the road and then you're smoking on the road and then, you know, 
you show up to the place and you're rolling up to smoke there too. And then it's just a series of it. And, and it's like, uh, it makes sense when you're in the culture of it. Cause you're just kind of like, now what, like, why wouldn't I smoke a joint if I have the weed? Like it's fun. Yep. It, it facilitates conversation, right? Everyone knows that, you know, passing a bong around, passing the joint around, passing a blunt around, like definitely part of it. You know, there's, it's funny to have people do their first dab, like, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> it, now with the, you know, vape danks with the, you know, dab pens and all that kind of stuff it's so much more convenient so you can do it anytime any place so you're like hey we're about to go into this farmer's market i've got my dab pen it takes 16 seconds to hit and no one's gonna know what the fuck we're doing anyway <laughs> and then we get to go enjoy the farmer's market more um yeah a lot of society yeah. has made it really easy and convenient for people to smoke in like a like comfortable not comfortable but like private setting like it's so easy for people to rip a dab pen in an office or at school or mm -hmm. anywhere you know it's been so easy mm -hmm. for people to just be high yeah i mean shit i remember back when i was like i mean i'm now i mean you and i are both fourth years here in college right you're graduating this yep. spring i'm taking another year because of that part-time but but us being our fourth year in college here i remember being back freshman year of high school and, you know, at Miami Beach Senior High, shout out to all the high tides there. Everyone's going to know what the fuck I'm talking about right now. <laughs> but at Beach High, kids were like, it was like, it almost like, you know, you think broke kids are out here buying $50, $35, you know, $50, man. If you're buying a $30 cart, you're smoking on death. Um, but, <laughs> you know, whatever, they're spending $30 to $50 on a cart, right? And, you know, you're thinking, holy shit, like, you know, where are you even doing this? We're even getting this money as a kid who doesn't work, who has a broke family. Um, and it's like, well, I saw kids were selling hits for a dollar or, you know, in the bathroom. I knew kids who do like a dollar for three hits or sometimes it was some kids started charging more. Obviously, you know, capitalism, it goes up a little bit. More people had them. So <laughs> everyone started doing it. And then people going in on a car and all that kind of stuff. So it was like because it was so easy. I remember kids who would be like oh i have to leave lunch 10 minutes early so i can make it to this building because this kid's going to be leaving class we're going to meet in the bathroom during the five minutes between class so that i can hit his dank before i go to fucking science or art because i can't be in art not high i mean i knew kids who were smoking weed before pe and then going out there and scoring a triple fucking double <laughs> and like <laughs> i was like how is this your lifestyle no i remember I that for sure I was and like that. I, I mean, it. I was always like, oh, yo, I know if I go into this bathroom that like mm -hmm. this kid will be there and then I can probably hit his dang before I go to gym. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, I feel like it's, you know, there's a culture around it with like the jewel and the vapes and everything of people always talking about the fiends. But shit, man, how many times have you been at a party? I mean, maybe you haven't, but how many times have you been at a party and someone's trying to ask to hit your blunt or hit your joint? like yeah it happens a lot who the fuck are you like oh my god my friends and i go off about that shit yo like we don't fucking know you and now with the covid pandemic you know even aside from covid itself people are just kind of realizing how gross humanity is that they're like damn it's so easy for me to get sick as hell like you don't want more than just your circle hitting your joint you know what i'm saying i know so like yeah, you i don't used want to have kids to come up to me that. Yeah, like I used to have kids come up to me, one kid, hey man, can you let my friend hit your joint? And then the kid's like, bro, it only takes me one hit to get high. Don't you want to see me get high? I'm a funny person when I'm high. I'm like, bro, I don't know you. Why would I give a fuck? 
Like, yeah. What? Like, it's weird because it's not like it's like somebody has a bottle. You know what I'm saying? Someone's walking around with a handle at a party. You're like, yo, can I have a shot? But if someone has a, a beer, like, you're not like, yo, can I have a sip of that beer? Like, no, <laughs> you can't. Gross. Yeah, like, no, no, you can't have a sip of my beer. Why would you think that's okay? Like, so there's definitely like, I don't know, there's a fiend level with weed, I feel like. Uh, for those who smoke often and don't smoke often of like of finding someone who has it and revolving who are you who am I going to talk to at this party I see they have a, a dank you know I'm going to gravitate there I see these people are smoking like people go outside right away to go find someone to smoke with go mooch yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> which you know and I don't even know I mean some of it is you know you're on some broke boy shit but on the other side of it it's really just that you know, stoners are, are a welcoming community. We know that. <laughs> um, but at the, but people like, because I also think, you know, it takes, it only does usually, I mean, if it's good weed, usually you should only take a couple of hits if you're going from zero to high to feel something. So you're like, man, if I can, it, like with, a, with nicotine, it's like, that's like a satisfying and instant craving. I feel like that's why we focus on them being more of a fiend. But with weed, it's almost like, you're strategic because you know you get those two, three hits in and then, you know, you're high. You can leave. You don't have to talk to those people again. You're done. You've got what you needed, you know? Yeah, no, I've definitely done shit like that where you, like, go outside in the party and you find some kids smoking. You're like, yo, let me get some, you know? <laughs> and it takes that yeah. little bit to get high and then you just smoke and you leave because, you know, you don't really care to what people have to say or you don't care what they're actually doing. You just wanted their weed. Yeah, like taking that fake interest in someone just to kind of hit their joint, you know. And uh, mm -hmm. it's funny because you can see it from a mile away, you know, if someone's yeah. doing it to you. Because you're like, because even if you don't do it, right, or even if you got, you know what they're thinking. Like, you know what the vibe is. And, and it just makes sense. And so, I don't know. And I think that just speaks even further to the fact that, like, it, it becomes like a lifestyle sort of a thing. Because it's not a physical itch. You don't, you can't not function with that. And then after about 10, 15 minutes, you'll forget about it. Like you really yeah. will. Nicotine's a whole different ball game because we know nicotine is one of the most addictive like substances on the planet, even though it's not necessarily a dramatic, it's not like the side effects are not necessarily like doing heroin, but yeah. like, like you're not jeopardizing your life every time you take a hit. But at the same time, like there is that like it is a you know you there is that kind of scratchy feeling not not literally but you know what i'm saying that like oh my god i need nicotine and i can't think until like is that i mean that's what i've noticed with people and all that stuff is is they say it man they're like man i, I literally just like don't feel right i feel anxious excuse me if i'm not but if you're at a party and you showed up without weed almost didn't plan on it and now it's there you're not like if you kind of end up for not being able to smoke and forget about it you can continue going on about your day you can especially if kids are drinking and all that kind of stuff like yeah. i think that it's just because of how enticing the lifestyle is think about all these cool ass people martha stewart and snoop dogg now are marketing all this shit guacamole pistachios fucking now they got oh, the big yeah. lighters the, the, those ones it's all around how fun and cool smoking weed is because Back in the day, you're a burnout. Why? Because like you were saying, like you got to be, you know, you said like it's easier and society has made it a lot more comfortable to smoke weed now. 
And back in the day, right, you know, people are joking. They're smoking that Reggie ass shit with like fucking seeds and stems in it in the middle of a fucking forest behind a Walmart. And now you and I are walking down Broad Street, walking down Lincoln Road, fucking walking through a campus and hitting our dank, you know, like or smoking a joint, bro. Like, like I don't really like I'll tell people I'm like, yo, who's going to really like stop me? Like, like it's a yeah, joint. No, it's true. It's like. Like it's, it's like whatever people are smoking cigarettes. They don't really know until they smell it. Once they do, you're already 150 paces away. Like, what are they going to call the police? Like, but, and that's because, you know, it is being legalized. Medical is legal in, in most places. And at least in all the places you and I venture to. Um, yep. And so it's like, you never really know. And not many people totally care. And unless you're like sitting in a children's park, smoking weed on the bench, no one's really going to say much because you're not doing much of a disturbance. You know, stoners aren't known for being violent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> We're the yeah. opposite of violent people. Yeah. So nicest. I feel like that. Sorry. I just feel like that comfort has taken away from like, as kids, you had to sneak smoking weed. You didn't want to be high in front of your parents. So it was like a treat. It was like a dude, we're getting high tonight, that giggly high, that munchies, that uncontrollable <laughs> high. And I, and most people say, man, I don't get high like that anymore. And I don't even think it's a physical tolerance thing. Cause you know, it's literally just the fun of it. It's yeah. the fact that you and your friends have one bowl and like a dime and you're like, picking it apart with your fingers which eventually you know that means you're only really smoking a nick like half a g of it because you know you can't fully yeah. burn that shit you're putting it in this little tiny bowl like this fucking big with your little lighter butaning the hell out of that bitch sucking in fucking scooby snacks taking maybe two hits the size of like a jewel hit and you're <laughs> faded and you're like going to walgreens yep. and buying like fucking massive like three different bags of chips because you can't decide the flavor and it's fun it's fun because you're like man if i was sober i would be all responsible and be like only buy one bag of chips but no <laughs> yo you get three bags of chips you're only gonna eat a handful of each and it's like but you you can't decide fuck it and you're just getting like three drinks and you know it bro you stand in line and you know who's a stoner and who isn't <laughs> yeah no it was definitely like a fun like let's be unresponsible let's like break the rules kind of thing like who really cares you know yeah <laughs> it's fun when you're behind the scenes you know you got your someone's parents upstairs and you guys are in the basement and you have to sneak out the basement door going out the wind smoking out the window like yeah. but then eventually you realize how easy it is like when i first moved in here man i was being crazy about how to because it was like i'm in a bigger building now with people that actually give a shit it's more of a student living before i was living off campus stuff it didn't really matter too much especially everyone in that building smoked. But here, you know, first thing you're like blowing it out the window. You know, I used to have the little toilet paper roll back in 1940 with the oh, yeah. with the fucking uh, dryer, dryer sheets sheet. and blowing <laughs> it out the window and shit. And that's because we were in a dorm and stuff. But even eventually I started to realize, I was like, man, like it's so much, the easier it gets and the more casual it gets, the less of a fun act, the actual act of it becomes. And it becomes more of a routine, you know? And I feel like that routine yeah. is what you and I fell into is we started to realize that, yes, the one I will miss being able to smoke with my buddies at parties, but the routine of having to smoke or the routine of like, you know, 
I knew exactly the order at which I was going to set up my jeep or set up my bong <laughs> or, you know, roll up a joint. Like I knew what food I wanted, what water I wanted, where I wanted it on my desk, get the window open. Like it was fun to like, I started thinking it was fun still, but I realized it was just a routine. Like it was just a yep. feel like a thing I felt I needed to do, you know? Yeah, my kind of thing at the end of the day was I, I wouldn't really smoke before eating. I would kind of smoke after eating. So, like, I would come home, finish finish my stuff, my classes, homework. I would have a nice meal, and I'd throw on, like, a really funny YouTube video, something that I know would be funny even if I was sober. I'd pause it as soon as it starts, go outside, you know, and then you come back in your side, and you're so happy. You're like, yes, oh, my God, this video is going to be so good. I'm already stoned. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, looking yeah, forward to shit, man. It made it made things more fun, but only for like, you know, a small amount of time. And then you realize you start to come down from the high and you're like, was it really worth it? Did it really like make everything that much better? Yeah, like honestly, like there were times when I get that giggly fun, like I'm like in my element with it and it's fun. Um, and I think a lot of that is only capable of happening, like you said, when it is that end of the day vibe is I did enjoy that. But then eventually I'd realize like, okay, that initial dopamine high has come down, right? And so, because dopamine, we, you know, you talk about like, it's not just the satisfaction hormone, it's the anticipation of satisfaction, right? Yep. The worst thing in the world would be being told you're buying exotics and then smoking some shit that's maybe upper level mids. Even though if I told you it was mid and then it was a little bit better than mid, you're going to be more satisfied because of Correct. your anticipation of that reward. And so for me with weed, I was in, I created as like you're saying with the YouTube video and this, that I used food, the, the video, this and that, all these different things to set it up so that I had multiple rewards to anticipate because I started to realize that, like you said, once that initial high starts to come down, you're like, was that worth it? And what is mo what do most people usually turn to when that initial high comes down? They start to think, oh fuck, like I'm am I bored? <laughs> you smoke more, man. You you just you just start yep. smoking more, and you just keep smoking, and that's why on a day like you know today's Friday, right? It's like a, you know eleven something, you know eleven twenty right now. And for you and I, we end our Fridays pretty early uh, based on our schedule. And so yep. if we're going by this idea that responsible smoking is waiting until you have finished all your tasks on a day like Friday and you show up and you, it's noon and you're done for the day, then you start, you, you smoke. All right. Then by one o'clock, you start coming down a little bit and you're like, okay, whatever. You maybe throw on a different show, grab some fun food. And then you're like, well, fuck, either I need to go to sleep now and nap off this weed because I'm feeling down that now you, your dopamine now drops below baseline. And that's a shitty feeling. Yep. No one wants to be below baseline dopamine. Then you feel fuck. Ugh. So you smoke more and then you end up realizing you basically have to smoke the rest of the day or you're going to feel like shit, you know? Yep. Yeah, no, that's that definitely a happened feeling. a lot. Yeah, it happened a lot. Like your, your day would end at 11, 30, 12 o'clock and, oh, my day's done. Let me go smoke because my day's done. And then the, the high would wear off and you're smoking again because you don't know what else to do and you want more dopamine and, you couldn't even, it came to a point where I couldn't even find things to do that I would enjoy because all I could think about was, oh, let me get high because it'll give me that little bit of extra dopamine to feel better. Yeah. And I feel like for, you know, for the listeners that may or may not be out there for now, like 
I, the way we're describing this dopamine high and this feeling of need is not the same as like a literal physical need to like, I can't function without something. It's like a, when you, it's like, imagine being hungry and you're like, and you're low on blood sugar. Like you're like, yeah, you could go function if you needed to, but it's like, wouldn't it feel so much better to just like eat something like, you know what I'm saying? And like, I guess that's a little different because we literally need food, but I don't know. Like it's, it's a small satisfaction thing. It's like a, Oh my God, shit's difficult when you, when your dopamine drops below midline or baseline, I'm sorry, when your dopamine drops below baseline, which happens a lot. If you do smoke weed, dopamine, your dopamine levels go really high when you smoke and then you have to crash back down. So you end up never sitting at that baseline is when we smoke weed, we it's either high or low and you lose that balance. And so it's not necessarily like, Oh, I'm incapable of like performing a task without it. It's just, like cleaning or or whatever like you start to convince yourself is this worth it you start negotiating with yourself is the reward of finishing this task going to be worth me pushing through below midline dopamine levels and that's where that is dopamine that is literally what it is we're anticipating the reward system with weed you're never going to think is smoking weed worth what I'm going to get out of it you're going to be like the moment I get high, I'm going to feel better. Of course you are. Of course you are. So that's where you're like, would I rather? So then you start thinking, oh, I'll smoke weed then clean, right? But then you want to enjoy that first 30 minutes of the high and, and, and watch the video and fucking listen to music and talk to your friend. And then you your dopamine drops again. And then you're like, okay, it's time to clean. And then your dopamine is dropping as you're anticipating whether or not something that's fucking boring is going to give you the same satisfaction as taking another damn bong hit. Like, <laughs> and so it's like, it's really not a, a hard thing to like understand why people fall into the stoner lifestyle or what some people describe as being a burnout is that you're like, okay, like you start realizing if I can, you know, I know kids who literally just like dropped out of high school sophomore year because they had been emancipated and literally worked at like Wendy's and he worked just enough hours to pay for his food uh, to cover his part of the rent with his buddies and to buy enough weed where he doesn't have to worry that much. And he started finding, he found a way to make it so that basically that's his plan for life was I'm going to go and and yeah I don't fucking like Wendy's but I can I can smoke weed it's a job that I could be high at that doesn't take too much like skill and I don't mean that it's that you're an unskilled person but that is classified as unskilled labor so it's like you're yep. there and you're packing up shit you're working the drive through okay and yeah it kind of sucks but it's enough to facilitate your real joy which is smoking weed at the end of the day there and so it's mm -hmm. like that's the burnout lifestyle. And you under, you start thinking, man, how could these people do that? Well, you realize it's not just your, your, that no one has, that you have no ambitions or that you don't really care about yourself. It's that you literally get caught in this like dopamine up and down. And there's no, and unless you start reducing the amount you smoke or changing stuff or withdrawing from it, you're caught in this cycle of high, low, high, low. And so you're going to always gravitate. If you're experiencing low, you're going to gravitate towards high. That's why I think people with depression and anxiety 
who find solace in smoking that that's why they get caught in it. And then you notice these people eventually develop even greater anxiety from it or even greater depression. And it's not necessarily because weed causes those things, but it's because your anxiety and depression are more heightened. You feel them more because instead of actually fixing it, you're doing what you and I always use, right? Symptom relief. It's just symptom relief. You're giving yourself that dopamine high because you literally do forget about the shit. You're like, man, I don't even know why. You start getting motivated, man. How many times have you made a plan for the next day? Like high as fuck at night. Like, oh my God, I'm going to wake up at fucking 6 a.m. I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. I'm going to go to the gym for like six hours. And then I'm going to eat fucking, I'm going to eat the entire rainforest worth of fucking salad and chicken and all this shit. I'm going to be so fucking healthy, man. And then I'm going to drink like eight gallons of water and I'm going to go and I'm going to fucking start a business. And and you're like, and then you wake up the next morning and your dopamine levels are in the fucking floor. And you wake up and yep. the first thought is like, oh shit, I'm waking up again. Like, now that feeling sucks. definitely happened a lot. Yeah, you're like laying in bed and you want to just change your life around at that moment. But when you wake up, you have that groggy feeling, the weed hangover, and you don't have that motivation to really get after it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why mm-hmm. I always say, like, I mean, you don't, you know, you kind of can't fix your life while you're high. Like, you know, when you're faded at the end of the night, when your dopamine levels are high, because that's where you realize like you're only getting dopamine from quick, quick reward systems. Like if you, you know, like I use, for instance, like with me with training, right? Like if I'm like super motivated to go do extra work, well, that's going to be motivated by usually like motivation, not discipline, right? I want to go do some extra work. If I'm feeling motivated, I'm probably got some high dopamine levels. Well, if I find high dopamine from smoking weed and eating food here and sitting here and watching a television show or some dumb shit, then it's like, well, if I'm high, I can't go train. So I'm I'm motivated like, damn, I'm going to take this nap and then I'm going to I'm going to go fucking train, you know? And then you take that weed nap and then you wake up and now your dopamine levels are down here. And you're like, what was I thinking? I don't know how. And then you start anticipating the reward. And it's like you, you, you don't, you can't, when your dopamine levels are high and you're motivated, you're usually high. Like you're usually smoking. So you're kind of like, okay, well, I can't really write a whole paper, a good paper right now, even though I'm motivated to do it. I can't really, you know, you, you know, you're not going to do it while high. And then eventually, you're, when you're not high, your dopamine levels are low now. And so while you, maybe you're capable now, you're clear-minded, now you feel like shit because we aren't – it's not a motivate. It's not a human essence thing. It's, it's a brain, you know, chemical reward system. Then yeah, it, it really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Well, no, fuck, it was definitely hard a little trying away. to – it was Sorry, definitely hard continue. to – get out of the lifestyle like that was definitely the hardest part when you realized that like every day you were looking forward to smoking because that meant it was the end of your day and even with my valet job like the little bit of cash tips that I would get it was like oh bro this is an eighth like oh fuck yeah I got an eighth <laughs> you're like damn bro I just parked that car this guy just gave me an eighth like fuck yeah you know yeah, I would that's think how that I was too, thinking man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I make a decent amount of money with I'm coaching a lesson and I'd be like, damn, yo, go coach this lesson for an hour or do two out two lessons. And I'm like, yo, I'm gonna go buy a fucking queue. Like, let's go. Like if I coach for two or three hours, you know, I'm like, dude, that covers my my weed for the week. Like, so you yep. that's why you realize even when you are being productive, 
it's an, in anticipation of that later on dopamine like response. And uh-huh. I just think like it kind of sucked that we were that that's what we, we were basically just swimming in dopamine. Like that was that was <laughs> what we were basing our life off of. And now I think the positive side of this is is like we've had to be bored. I mean, you text me, dude, I'm beyond bored. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm fucking toast right now. Like, and then it became a good yeah. thing. I mean, this podcast started like I, people have been telling me to do this for years, right? I mean, you know me. I talk like a mother. Oh. I never shut mm-hmm. the hell up, right? And I've always got like, you know, I like to get abstract with things too. It's not just like, hey, this is what I did today. So it's like, I've always got stuff to say and I want to hear what people have to say. And it's a fun conversation. And you and I talked for hours. I mean, we had a, what, what's our longest phone call we've ever had? Maybe like three, four hours? <laughs> Our average yeah, phone definitely. call is, at, is an hour to 90 minutes at least. So it's like, dude, just record that. Like, Rajiv, man, Rajiv Kapoor right out there, aka Hot Boy Primo. He's there. Like, shout out to him. <laughs> shout out to Bettina Kapoor. Uh, you know, Bettina out there for sure. She She's the one who told me to do it forever. But they were like, you don't even have to try. Just record what you're talking but when you're high 100%. and you're smoking weed all the time and you're just working on this reward system i'm like yo i don't think i have the energy to set it up and i was telling you and explaining what an rss feed is last night because it was like dude i set it up like i was like yeah man i just finally like went for it and like set it up and it's like not even that deep because like look at us we're using fucking zoom i don't have the mics yet we're using our airpods and it's like yeah this is low quality fucking production but high quality conversation and you know, the Gary V mentality of like, get the bullshit out of the way. Be, be shitty at it. You were telling me, right? Like be bad yeah. for a while and eventually you'll get better. And if not, I mean, this is enjoyable. Look at that. If at the end of the day, we're only serving this ourselves, this is still a good thing, but I never would have gone into doing this if I hadn't stopped smoking. I personally, I think, do I think smoking weed would help with this? Do I think in the future it'd be fire to have a little, you know, smoking a joint and <laughs> doing the podcast? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But the actual getting the ball rolling and starting something new, my anticipation of the dopamine reward of setting up the account and starting this and starting my first episode was not good enough to stop smoking weed. Like, why would I why would I go create content when the dopamine response from consuming content is so much better? Yeah. You know, but yeah, I mean, shit. But I mean, I think we've talked a decent amount now about maybe the reasons why we stopped and some of the negative sides and, and maybe how we noticed that it it isn't even the plant itself. It's it's really our, the way we use the plant, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe we should talk a little bit more about our experiences. I mean, the first 14 days getting off of it, right? I mean, day one, like day one. <laughs> I honestly, when I, when we made the decision over the phone and we were like, yeah, let's stop smoking. I was kind of at a point where I didn't even desire to be high anymore because I realized like how, what I was doing when I was high didn't really satisfy me anymore. It was just the smoking process. And then like you'd smoke it and you'd finish the bowl and you weren't really satisfied. You know, it was like, ugh, I smoked and that's what got me high and blah, blah, blah. But then, uh, you know, day one was kind of like, oh, I'm bored right now. What am I going to do? It's kind of what happened. And uh, it's just kind of like a busy hands keeps, you know, your mind. Or what's that saying? I don't know. Busy hands keep your mind something. <laughs> something like that. No, I get 
<laughs> I get it. <laughs> they may not get it, but I get it. I get it. Yeah, no, it just Absolutely. came to a point where I was trying to keep myself busy all the time. So I wasn't bored. So I wouldn't reduce. So I wouldn't try and just be high to let time pass. It was like, oh, I have an hour mm. or an hour and a half of time. Let me get something done. You know, let me not just be high and waste an hour or two hours. And then it yeah, I mean, absolutely. I don't even know. It yeah. was just not easier. I felt like that. it was the cravings of it all, man. I mean, you're just like, um, it was the boredom. Like, you find yourself being so, like, like you need to do something, but you don't yeah. really want to. Like, because I was like, man, I'm not necessarily trying to go, like, bust my ass and, like, do a bunch. Like, I wasn't, like... I'm not trying to waste energy. Like, I didn't feel like I had energy to waste. Like, I didn't, but I knew I had time. Like, I was like, I, I don't think I could sit here for, you know, hours on end with nothing to do. Because all I'm going to think about is all I got to do is take one fucking hit and I won't be bored anymore. Yeah. And it's like those cravings, I think, of the first day. I mean, I think we even looked up that like 30 day sober test thing and it was like, the, the title of the of day one on the little like bullet point was cravings, 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 because you're just like, you're used to it every day. If you, and this is why I'm saying like now for people out there who smoke maybe every weekend or they smoke often and you're trying to quit the habit itself, this might not be the same. Your day one may not be that way. So your cravings may last three, four, five days because you're used mm -hmm. to having three four five days in between each smoke but if you're someone who literally smokes every day and even if it's literally one hit if you take one hit every single day that is thc being introduced to your bloodstream every day and so it's like when you no longer have that something happens whether it's a good thing or a bad thing where you're no longer at midline if you spike a little bit above midline you want to stay above midline if you get a good grade on a test back on day one of not smoking weed, you want to smoke weed because you don't want that upper dopamine like levels to drop because you're so used to dopamine crashing, right? But in reality, it's supposed to be like a little spike and then maybe you come back down to midline. And, and because with weed, you go up and then below midline, if something good happens, you want to smoke. So it's not even like you can reward yourself with good things because you're like, oh my God, I have the craving to smoke. And then the bad things, of course, if your dopamine's dropping below, you're like, fuck, do you know how easy it would be to get right back up again? So that's where I noticed it's like feel better when you smoke, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with you, man, that I just felt like I needed to do things. I mean, I deep cleaned my apartment with a bunch of different shit. Like, you know, I ended up like I was joking, I was telling my neighbor the other day, because a lot of times when she comes over to hang out, um, I have I was like, I'll have like all my dishes drying. And it'll be literally every dish I own because sometimes <laughs> if I'm cleaning three or four dishes, you know, and I that have been there and I'm cleaning it up, I end up wanting to clean them all. Right. Cause with like, at least the last two weeks I've been like, I end up wanting to be like, well, fuck, like, let me make, let me keep, this is, this is good. Let me keep doing this. Let me deep clean my pots and pans and shit. And my, you know, the things I stir pasta with, not that they're not clean normally, but let me let me make everything the same amount of clean because then I can waste another 30, 40 minutes doing something that gives me a reward response because I'm completing a task. And, and it's like and then I'm done cleaning my dishes and I'm like, 
okay, looking around, what next can I do? Vacuum clean. All right. What else can I do, <laughs> man? Oh, I'm going to wipe down little shit. Like, and it's not like necessarily an OCD sort of a thing. It's just like you said, like the busy hands, I guess, like put these at the mind. Like you don't mm -hmm. have to think. And it's not that you don't have to think. It's that you don't have to think about what you're not doing. You know, like if you're walking, you're not thinking about like, you know, you everyone feels productive while they're walking. Because you're like, you're doing something. You don't have to think about what you're yeah. not doing. Yeah, like you don't have to think about what you're not doing. Oh my God, I have homework at home. Like, no, 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 I'm taking a 15 minute walk. Like you can think about it less. And it's not gone, but you're doing something. Yeah, yeah. those are definitely the first few days. It was like, let's do something. So it's not, it doesn't come to the point where you're thinking about the things that you really have to do. I was definitely cleaning a lot going on walks I would take my time like skateboarding around campus I would take my time eating meals it was hard to eat at first like it was definitely difficult to eat and like you always feel nauseous trying to eat yeah I but, felt like, taking you your, time your time was time, almost necessary yeah exactly it really was because you didn't want to like end up coming to the point where like oh I got too much time on my hand yeah and I think the end of the night was a difficult one because with weed, that crash in dopamine and that, that coming down, excuse me, from the high where you're now no longer going to smoke anymore. I mean, every, every stoner, anybody knows this, even drinking, anything like where you're starting to come down, you like are almost like fighting to stay awake, you know, like you almost get to the point where, okay, if I need to close my blinds and turn my lights out and you know, for me, maybe prep my coffee for the next day or, you know, clean my final dish or turn my computer, all those little things, plug my phone in, brush my teeth, like all those little things. Um, you end up like almost fighting to stay awake to do those because once you've decided it's time to go to bed, it's usually because you feel like you need to. And mm -hmm. I think that that was maybe the, the weirdest feeling for me was going to was laying my head on the pillow before I felt that feeling of I am tired. Like, and I, or maybe I was tired, but I didn't feel it the same way I do when I'm smoking. Uh, did you experience anything like that? Yeah, no, it was definitely hard to be tired. Like the end of the day, like my mind was still racing. It was still going. I was still thinking a lot. So it was definitely hard to like be tired at the end of the day. So like the first few nights, I, I might've taken melatonin a little bit to help with that. Or I would like do a little guided meditation so that I could calm my mind down and get ready to go to bed. But I definitely was feeling that like it was hard to, to go to sleep in the first few nights. Yeah. I mean, you're just, I feel like for me, it, it wasn't even totally that like my body was incapable of producing the melatonin, like not that taking melatonin is a bad thing. Like I get that. Um, but it's like, mm -hmm. you're almost like, I'm used to being like, to being able to be like, let's say it's 1045 and I need to be to bed by, I need to be sleeping by 11 for me to get that eight hours or, you know, seven hours, whatever you're, whatever I'm looking for. Um, yeah. I could, I knew that I could lay my head on the pillow. I could get into bed at 1045, 1050 and be asleep by that 11. If I had been smoking, like I knew that I could do yeah. that. Now I found myself, that's where I feel like the first couple nights this was a weird phenomenon was 
I ended up getting a little anxious about it because I was like, dude, I, I need to fall asleep in the next five minutes or I'm going to start deducing from that eight hours. I'm going to start not being able to sleep the full eight hours. And then you end up realizing it taking you like 30, 40 minutes to fall asleep. Some of it's probably the blue light that we're exposed to. A lot of it's probably the fact that we just like went to bed expecting to crash because in the past, that's what sleeping was for us, was crashing after the day, is setting mm -hmm. ourselves up to do that. But one thing I think was actually pretty cool that I started to notice after the first few days was waking up was so much easier. It was a hundred percent. Like you felt like you had really good sleep. You were real rested. And as soon as the alarm would go off, it was like so much easier to pop out of bed. You didn't have that grogginess. You didn't have the weed hangover. Yeah. Like even if you, even I knew, like I knew I could sleep like, cause I, it was a day that I, like, I noticed it because it was like the third or fourth day I had only gotten like maybe five hours of sleep. Um, and that was just like circumstance. I, I forgot that I had to wake up to coach a, a session like at six 30. So I had to get up at like five and, um, and it had already been almost midnight. And I was like, Oh shit. Like I didn't real, I thought that I had the next day. Cause I don't normally stay up too late. Uh, I usually wake up early for training and stuff, but I knew I wasn't going to be training till the afternoon the next day and that I didn't have to be up for a while. So I was like staying up. Then I remembered, fuck, I got to get up at five. So I was like, shit, I'm only going to get five hours of sleep now. And whatever I, you know, I go to bed and, I, and after waking up after those five hours of sleep, I realized that I, it was easier to get up after those five hours than it was after eight hours when smoking weed. And that's like, and I was like, oh, this is, this is a big difference here. It's like, don't get me wrong. I know that I can and want to go sleep two more, three more hours. Like I want to go back to bed, but standing up. I don't feel like that pull of the bed, like, 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 it's not like a fight yeah. to get out of bed. It was just like a damn, I don't feel as rest as I could have, but it's like, it's like waking up from a nap. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's how it felt for me is I didn't, is I just, I didn't feel fully rested, but I didn't feel like I wasn't rested. Like I felt better. And I feel like with weed, if I only had slept five hours, I wouldn't have felt like I had any sleep. Like I would have felt like I had just gone to bed and I needed like five more hours. And I would have been like, I can't do this. And I'd be fucking cuddling that fucking pillow, trying to get back to dreamy, dreamy land. Mm. And it would have taken one hit of the pillow as I realized that too, is going back to sleep is not as easy. So you actually have a minute to think, oh, okay, I just did that for dopamine. I didn't get the dopamine and I'm not asleep. Time to get up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, when, when you go to sleep high all the time, uh, even having eight hours of sleep while you're high, it was like, you didn't really feel that rested in the morning. I don't know, like, unless you, you stop smoking. <laughs> yeah, unless you like, I don't know, after not smoking for a little bit and going to sleep, like, like you said, even five hours of sleep, it felt so like rested. Maybe it was the deeper sleep or like the more yeah definitely like the deeper sleep was definitely a big thing because you feel so much more rested when you're waking up the big difference yeah. big big difference yeah and then the big one right is one you and i talk about because you're actually someone who for a couple years now hasn't dreamed like you don't dream much and i know oh, me yeah. like i started getting into stuff because i actually was trying to like I, you know explore my dream world and stuff start trying to lucid dream and stuff and i started getting into actively trying to dream more in depth um 
but even I noticed it too. And, and you, and that's when I knew it was definitely not just me is that you noticed it, right? Is the crazy, crazy dreams. <laughs> the past few nights, bro, I've had some weird fucking dreams, like real vivid. Like I wake up and I'm like still thinking about it. Like, what the fuck? Like, you can remember them now better too, right? Like, oh, I feel 100%. like I'm like, I will ponder the dream that I had all day. And I feel like I'm all able day. to separate reality and dreaming a little bit more is I'm almost like, I remember that that was a dream and it felt like a, like it felt real, but I know it's a dream now. And I'm trying to understand it. Like, how, why did I dream that? What the fuck? Who, who was that? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. You know, last night I had a really vivid dream about like lighting a smoke bomb in a library. I was <laughs> like, what the fuck? And I woke up like pondering it. And then I looked it up on the internet. And I was like, why would I be dreaming about something like this? And it's really odd for me because I would never wake up and remember what I was dreaming about. So once it started happening more, it's like, wow, like this is really impactful. Like, and you really just ponder it the rest of the day. Yeah. And one of the big things I think I've thought about with it is, is of course, a lot of people have a lot of different theories about dreams. And, and I know you and I have a lot of stuff in terms of our personal spirituality. Um, but I won't totally get into that now since we're kind of talking more on like a surface value stuff about weed. But everyone knows, right, this is like a legitimate thing. This is science is that because we don't I guess what I'm saying is you and I have beliefs of what our subconscious actually is. But yep. dreams, we all can agree, are a product of our subconscious. And so, like, if you have that dream, a reoccurring nightmare where you're getting chased or, you know, my dad would always talk about the nightmare he had was he was there in the bathroom looking in the mirror. Right. And he can see his dad right there on the couch watching TV. And this like, you know, kind of like the Bloody Mary, like there was some ghoul lady or whatever, witch lady. And he said he couldn't yell. All he had to do was yell to his dad, help, but he couldn't make the sound. And, you know, if you're a psychologist and you're sitting there, you're like, you know, you don't feel heard. This, like, you know, it has to do, oh, you can't talk when you're in danger, but it's so close. Help is right there. You know, how do I, oh, how do I get to it? All that kind of stuff. Like, there's some psychological implications there. And I think with other dreams as well, being chased, if you feel like you're being chased by a monster and you can never get away, like, there's ways to, to kind of, those are easy ones, I guess, to kind of tie to different psychological things. Um, mm -hmm. But that's where I guess the biggest one I've noticed is like our subconscious is becoming more conscious is how many things have we kind of suppressed to the back of our head is, is like you said, we're pondering, why did we dream this way? What about this? And, and while some of them are, you know, people always joke about those videos of, you know, what do you mean you remember your dream? My dream's like this. And it's like chaos and it's a collage of chaos. But a collage of chaos is indicative of your subconscious is that if your subconscious yeah. is dreaming things that are a collage of chaos and you're unable to dissect what that means or even see one part of it, then that is you. Your relationship with your subconscious is you have no ability to regulate your subconscious. Have you seen the show The 100 by chance? No. So in the show The 100, at one point in the later seasons, the main character Clark has this you know, this patch thing in her brain that say th this woman tries to, you know, put a chip in her head to switch to take over her body, take her consciousness. So like, you know, I'm jumping into your head. I put my mm -hmm. chip of my conscious, my consciousness chip in your head. And that kills your consciousness. And now I'm in your body and your mind. And that's how I live forever. 
um, stuff like that, right? So that's just the context there. But this girl, Clark, like you, for instance, in this scenario, have something in your head that that doesn't that lets you hold on to your brain for a bit. And so now what happens in the show is the the girl, your brain is inhabited by me and you now. And we're fighting it out because one brain can't hold two consciousness. So when they're fighting it out, though, you have this girl Clark's consciousness and then the other woman's consciousness. Right. And so it's like you and I, the, the girl Clark has her consciousness is is chaos you see because it, it you know it's manifested through all these random drawings on the wall and papers flying everywhere and she, you know what mm -hmm. i mean and then this other girl who's lived for you know multiple lifetimes doing this consciousness inputting thing her consciousness is literally a library like you see her subconscious and all her memories and everything is an is a it is an easily organizable library and she brings it up like, wow, Clark, like your conscious, your subconscious is so, uh, you know, chaotic. Look at mine, you know. And I think that that aspect of things is you're able, your ability to to explore and organize your subconscious, the more organized, I guess, your dreams can be, the more you can understand them is the more that you're able to communicate with your own subconscious. And then with the spiritual and religious implications of what a subconscious really is, is to some people, that's your ability to communicate with the divine side of you a little bit more, your higher self, at least. If you're, if 95% of us is subconscious, then like, are we really saying that 5% has all the answers? Like, probably not. Like, so if you're, if you've got subconscious answers to things and all you need to do is just realize them, which in psychology, we talk about that in religion, in spirituality, even just in science alone with junk DNA, is if you can activate a gene that isn't there, that's like, it's like, it's there, it's not being used and now you activate it, like, boom, it's all the same stuff. So I think that us being able to step back and, and from weed and being able to, and having these crazy dreams and then making more sense now and us actually being wanting to and being able to think about it, um, and like, why did like you, why did I do that? Why did I light this smoke bomb in, in there? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, was why so was weird. this person in my dream? Like if it's someone who you haven't seen in a while, why did they pop up in my dream? Um, that when you start to ask those questions, you're kind of reprogramming the way you think. And I think that weed has maybe blocked us from, from our subconscious a lot and our, and, and, and consequently our higher self, you know? Yeah. I feel that for sure. Like, you kind of look back when I was looking back and like making a decision to stop smoking. I like realized like I don't have that connection anymore, like with my emotions and my subconscious with like my higher self. Like I kind of lost it. I kind of suppressed it. And then like once you stop smoking, you realize like, wow, all these emotions, all my subconscious thoughts, like they're actually there and they're pretty prevalent. And I just got to recognize them more and understand where they're coming from and what they're trying to say and what they mean. And I think Absolutely. through dreaming is through dreaming is where you get those subliminal messages, you know? Yeah, I mean, did you I think you mentioned right that I mean, at least for one of your dreams, you said you 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 took to your journal for it and started kind of oh, writing out. Yeah. A few times where they're like really yeah. vivid and like they're really impactful and you wake up and you're like, whoa. So you write it down so you remember. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I mean, you, I always wondered as a kid, why people had their dream, why people had dream journals. I kind of thought it was just for shits and giggles. Like the idea of like 
it was like a fun like why do people collect pennies like i thought it was like that you know like oh you just kind of want to write down what you dream dreamt about because it's fun but in reality i mean we know the, the the great like with the journaling i mean even as a kid like a diary like i thought that oh you know writing in a journal writing in a diary was just to recount your day like that was just for the fuck's sake of it um not to say i didn't do it a little as a kid but that's that's what i did is i just kind of wrote down what i did today um, but now you start to think more, I mean, when you take that evolution to the next step where you stop thinking about, you know, what you did, and then you stop thinking about what happened to you and you start thinking about like how you reacted to it, my emotions, like proper journaling, right? You start getting down to the core of things. Oh, I got angry at something today. This, this, this happened. And then the more you journal, you start asking yourself questions like, well, why did I get angry at this? Same thing. I think with the dream journals, the idea is, you know, you start asking, well, why did I dream about this? If you dream about something consistently, like, why? Why is it like, you know, why do I, why is it that when I feel in danger in my dreams, I'm unable to speak, you know, and some people are because like, oh, you can't talk and you shut the hell up. No. Yeah, you can. You know, people can talk in their dreams. All right. But maybe you're close to, you know, you're in that REM sleep and maybe you're close to being awake and you're but it's like, why? Why is your subconscious brain not allowing you to let those words out? And it's like it's probably, you know, you don't feel heard. You feel like maybe you don't, you silence yourself. So when it is time to ask for help, you never do. Or you feel like if you are going to ask for help, you know, someone's not, they're not going to respond. You feel like you're not heard, even if you are asking for it, even if it is right there, you know? And so those little things, you can't really realize that unless you start to dissect it, unless you start to mm -hmm. do the most human thing in the freaking world is identifying patterns, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of messages within your dreams, for sure. And you have to just be able to try and understand them and see what they mean and interpret them the best you can because it can help you in your waking life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess, okay, you know, just to keep on the on our storyline stuff here. I mean, I love getting on the sidetracks, believe me. And this is, I think, very productive. Is, but back to it, I mean, we that's today's two and three or so. I think, or it was like two through five, they started talking about dreams, 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 you know, crazy dreams. Mm -hmm. um, but other things that we experienced within that first week, because I think you and I, we were, we, we did it in a smart way is we decided to start on a Friday, I believe. Um, and that was really good for yep. us because that was, if we can get through the first three days, they're the weekend, you know, if you want, you can go out and drink with your buddies. If you want, you got this, you don't have school to worry about. Right. Starting it on a Monday is very difficult because you're returning to the work week. You're returning to school. Your stress is there. Your dopamine's low. And now it's even lower because you stopped doing the thing that gives you dopamine. And I think that might have been one of the problems we've had in the past. So I think we got really lucky and smart with that is doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, getting the first three days of cravings, anxiety, mm -hmm. you know, bad sleep out of the way. And then all you have to do is now you're starting Monday, day one of that week with three days under your belt. And all you have to do is just get through one week and you've gotten through the first 10 days, you know, and now you and I, yep. we just hit two weeks yesterday. Yesterday was our two week mark and today's Friday again. So now we start next Monday with 17 days under our belt. It feels like two weeks maybe, or some say it feels like a little longer, but it feels like yep. we've only done two weeks because the weekend just bled into it. And now you got more. And now we're actually going to be able to literally like Thanksgiving day is going to be our four week mark and so that's the amount of time it takes for it to get out of your system is that is four weeks to maybe 30 days but yeah so we mm -hmm. get to literally show up to thanksgiving dinner like we intended at the beginning of the damn semester 
with that out of our system, which is a lot easier because if we had pushed it one more day, two more days, then you're, you're starting low. But going into Friday, you're already starting on a high. You're starting in this like, okay, um, the week's ending. My, I don't have a lot of work to do. And that was what sucked, I guess, yep. we noticed about the cravings. But at the same time, you're, the dopamine side of it was we didn't feel the need for it. Because when you're going through it is when you kind of want it the most, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a good idea starting on a Friday. I mean, even the weekend, like – you had that dopamine of, oh, it's the weekend. I don't have a lot of going mm-hmm. on. And then it came to Monday and you're like, oh, it's just the week. Like you can not smoke during the week, you know? Yeah. Cause making it through it was, the first three I'm days. I'm so excited. Is hard. I'm so happy for ourselves. Like to be able to show up to Thanksgiving dinner and be like, wow, it's been a month. Like, wow. and it's out of my system. Like I, I'm like, you could I show know. up to Thanksgiving dinner and take a fucking drug test like that day. And like, that's <laughs> a good fucking feeling, bro. Like that's it. I love that. And like my birthday is, is the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And so I'm like, you know, wow, I get to go into being, that's literally day 30. I think literally day 30 is going to be my birthday. And I get to turn 22 years old with it completely out of my system. and, And I get to experience that. And it's like, yeah, I don't get to smoke, but oh, well, I'm choosing not to. I feel like it's more like I get to not smoke. Like, not that I don't get to, I get to not, you know? And so I think that's a good feeling because like that first week is always hard is I'm going to make it from Monday to Sunday. And then you do sometimes make it through the week. You get to Wednesday, Thursday, because you and I have tried in the past. You know, we tried mm-hmm. in the past. We made it three, four days. We tried in the past. We made it five days. I think we made it up to like a week one time during a COVID summer, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But then and then in the May, right, I tried it was 420. You and I were like 421. We're going to start and and we're going to go one month. We're going to go to May 20th. We can smoke again. And it was um, and, you know, you made it a few days and you're like, shit, man, I'm going through it. Like t- life is tough. We were doing it during fucking finals times. Like what what were we thinking? Oh, my God. Like, at, the, at the most like at the we were already kind of because we started it because we noticed that we were falling into a hole. But instead of kind of digging up out of the hole a little bit and then taking the backpack off and going up, I mean, you and I, that's what I think we did this semester. I think if we tried to start day one of this semester not smoking, that would have been stupid because starting a new semester is stressful in itself. And now we got to we reduced our weed intake throughout the semester. We started incorporating better diet and and all this stuff that that we had not been attending to our own mental health you and i we set up our saturday salons and sunday salons and even though we haven't really done it uh as consistently once a week that way like i said our average phone calls an hour to an hour and a half maybe two hours and it's and we're using it to talk about ideas and and get and better ourselves and and reflect upon ourselves and so starting the process of self-reflection and self-improvement and then kind of like so being on an upward trajectory and then removing the weed is like okay you're you're you already got the ball rolling don't stop and before we were you yep. we wanted to use weed to get the ball rolling and i think that's just a big task to undertake because you ended up saying like look man i think i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna smoke man i smoked and and i just like you know i'm gonna do it at the end of the day and you did do it somewhat response responsibly the way we intended it you did it at the end of the day mm-hmm. you did it after working you know, you went to class all day, you worked out, you ate healthy, 
you went and worked your valet job for a few hours and made good money, came home and you're like, fuck, man, like I'm stressed. I want to smoke some fucking weed. And me, I was an yeah. idiot, man. And I just turned towards anything that could give me dopamine. I started drinking a lot more often, right? I started drinking beers. Now, don't get me wrong. A beer at the end of the day is not necessarily a bad thing. But when I was replacing my weed habit with just drinking a little bit of beer or going on, man, I started getting fucking stupid ass dating apps, bro. Started talking to a girl for the purpose of the chase. Like, not that that was all it, right? But I just felt like, oh my God, a companionship would be lit right now. Like, you know, that like that satisfaction from, you know, going and trying to fuck someone is like using that to replace smoking weed. And so for me, I ended up smoking right on May 20th at fucking like 1230 AM and didn't look back, didn't look back. And it's like, and I originally had intended to slow down afterwards, get control of the habit. And it's like, I didn't. And so I think you and I really went about it right is, is I, is that it, it's a lifestyle. You start pulling away from the lifestyle first, then you stop, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we did a really good job with the timing and the way we went about it. Because it was definitely came to a point where I was like, what am I really doing with myself? Like, what? Why? Like, how is this enjoyable, you know? Like, I don't know. It came to a point where I was like, damn, why, why do I keep doing this to myself? I really don't enjoy it. Like, I got to stop this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. When I made that decision, then it was the decision to stop smoking. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think some people also like, how did you stop this? That Look, I think both of us have attested to it. I mean, we've only gone through the first five-ish days of what it felt like already. And you can already tell, you know, listeners or whatnot that it's like not easy. Like it isn't, right? But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like any change, any change in your life, whether it's to eat healthier, work out or you know, stop talking to a toxic friend or be closer with your family or make an effort to do something that takes effort, something that requires you to, and I say this, and whether it's a small amount or a large amount to suffer for a little bit, if it requires that little bit of uncomfortability, it's the decision to just say, I'm going to do it. And it's like, I think in the past, you and I were like, oh, we'll stop smoking. And then eventually we can smoke a little bit more. And then we'll get (laughs) now we're like, no, 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 no. For the rest of this year, I think we we did it on a day because I started numbering the days is from the day we started to the end of the year is 64 or 65 days, I believe, from the day we started. And so we were like, look, that's two months. That's a very manageable timeline to say we're literally not going to touch that shit until 2023. And then if and when we do, right, the lifestyle will be gone. And, and I yeah. think that after two months of it, one month of getting it out of the system and then one month of experiencing it out of the system and then that turnover of like starting a new year, you really want to go into that year and January 1st at midnight, you want to smoke that joint? Maybe, maybe. But at the same time, I'm thinking like, I don't really think I will want to, even just for the yeah. sake of making sure I don't throw up because who knows if I've been having some champagne and stuff and I smoke for the first time in 64 days probably going to throw up. So I don't want that. And I don't know if I want to wake up January 1st and, and smoke a joint. Like, I don't think that's what I want. And so you, now you're already starting that off. And then January 2nd is a Monday. So then you're starting off the week and it's like, once you get that ball rolling, you realize, okay, maybe we will then 2023, we may allow ourselves to smoke again, but that does, but now it's not a lifestyle. Now you recognize like, do I really want to fucking stick a fucking, you know, stick that what's it called pipe back in my wheel and blame it on everything else 
I'm the one who stuck it there, you know, like, I'm not, you know, you're gonna trip yourself up after doing so well. And, and it's like, because it's not a literal physical addiction to the actual weed itself. I think that the lifestyle, once you separate yourself from it, and you and I are going to be making plans, we're going to go back to our ideal self again, make a new ideal self for the 2023, you know, Jordan year, fucking Braun year, like, let's go. And it's like, are we really going to give all that up after such two months of hard work? You know? No, I think it would just come to a point of it's not a lifestyle. It's a choice that we would be making to maybe have fun. Like maybe that's what I would look at it. Yeah. Like I wouldn't smoke alone anymore. Like I wouldn't want to have weed. Like I wouldn't want to have weed on me. And I think that's what started this for me is my ex-girlfriend would decide to leave her weed because I would always like, I would buy it, but she had a bowl and I didn't have paraphernalia. And so I just like, she had like, we had like a little Mason jar thing, blah, 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 blah. And she just decided to leave it with me instead. It was easier that way. And so Mm -hmm. like when I, so me keeping it, eventually I was like, Hey, like, do you like, you don't mind. Right. Cause it's our weed. Like that's straight. Or most of the time I bought it anyhow, like, uh, not that she didn't. I just meant like it, it ended up being like, you know, sometimes it was hers. Sometimes it was split. Sometimes it was mine. Uh, and then it was a time when it was like, here's my weed. And I was like, okay, you know, I had a little bowl. And the first time you smoke alone for no fucking reason, it's fire. It is fire. It's lit. Cause you're like, damn, I could just do this. And then you experience that fun <laughs> thing that you and I talked about of setting up your computer to watch a funny video and listening to music. And I remember I used to always, it was always fun. I would play, I'd start playing breathe in the air by, uh, by Pink Floyd. And then I'd go and I'd have my little songs that I'd listen to. And and I created a routine because I thought it'd be fun. Oh my God, I can do this without other people because weed was a treat, but now it's like, I, I don't think I want that weed sitting there like, Oh, I feel like shit. Let me smoke. Like, nah man like let's you know i'll smoke on the weekend with my buddy but that's a controllable habit like yeah even college kids get trashed like it's not you're not an alcoholic if you drink every saturday night like like you may binge drink a little bit which is not necessarily a positive thing but it's not an uncontrollable habit because you're not letting it affect your everyday life yeah once you start really smoking by yourself like that's when it becomes, you know, a bad thing because you kind of just depend on it more. And I think socially smoking is a lot different. Definitely a lot different. Definitely. I mean, it's, that's what I always used to say. Like when people ask, what's your favorite mode of smoking? Um, I would always say like, I love joints the most because I like the act of smoking a joint with people. Like it's fun to pass the joint around talking to people or multiple joints or whatever you're doing. Like that's a fun experience and I think it's, I've met a lot of people through, I mean, you and I realistically became close friends because we were both smoking weed. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. We really did. Me, you and Tony. <laughs> Absolutely. Damn, this, this AirPod's not connecting again. I'm trying to make sure they don't die. I feel like I've noticed you I know, doing I the same thing. I keep doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's out. Let me see if this works. Say something? Say something? Jesus, no. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, man, I just, I don't think that we did a good job of being honest with ourselves about it. 
you know, is I'm mean, like, I, we've referenced our friends and our friends, at least like they know what they're doing. Like they know that this is part of the lifestyle that they're living currently. And that, mm-hmm. you know, and in that way it is low key, like <clears throat> controlled, like they do kind of have control of it because of the fact that they are honest with themselves about it. Like, yeah, I smoke weed. I smoke weed all the time. Even Rajiv was always like, I always talked to him and I'd be like, yeah, man, you know, like, cause I always felt bad. Cause Rajiv's like, oh, he'll, he'll always smoke me out. Like it won't matter. Like he'll never not smoke me out. Um, but, and I always feel bad cause he's like quite literally like one of like my best, if not one of my, but like, he's probably my best childhood friend. Absolutely. I mean, I've known him for over a decade and we've been best friends the entire time. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I just say like, Hey man, you know, that like, like, I feel bad, but, you know, I don't, like, choose to hang out with you, just smoke. Like, I hope you know that. Because sometimes we're literally just smoking and talking. And he's like, and he stopped me. He's like, not nah, stop. And he's like, you, like, I get it. Like, you know, Jeeves always going to be smoking no matter what. And when I haven't been smoking back when I was, you know, when I wasn't smoking, you know, because I didn't smoke forever. Uh, when I was, you know, sophomore and shit, like, he's smoking and I wasn't smoking. Or even junior year, you know, when I first actually tried it but I wasn't smoking. It wasn't a habit. And I took the whole spring of no smoking because I was racing and all that kind of stuff. He has never, he's not a peer pressure guy. He's not that, but he's going to be smoking because it's his, you know, that that's part of it. Right. And you know, who am I to say no? And uh, it doesn't bother me at all, but that's what he said. He's like, man, no, I get it. You always know G's always going to be smoking. Like, that's what he said. And I was like, you're right. You know, like, and so having that, um, lifestyle around having people who have control of it and, and being like, you know, cause Rajiv, if he doesn't want to smoke, like it's seems like it's easier for him than I feel like it's been for me. Not to, to discount maybe how difficult it might be, but whenever he's had to stop, he doesn't see, like, he seems more pro- like he's cool with it, you know? And he's not like, like mm-hmm. he's productive about it. He's not like looking, it doesn't, I mean, maybe he just doesn't let me see it. That, that, that's, that could also be that. Um, but he doesn't seem like he's more anxious about it. like, I'll be, he'll be like, yeah, man, I haven't smoked all day. Like this, this, that, or, oh yeah, you know, I'll start like not smoking until this time. And for someone who smokes, you know, you know, a joint every hour or two, like that's not, that's a, that's a big difference compared to someone like me who does not smoke that quantity. So if somebody who smokes that much more than me and that much and better weed and, and also for much longer, um, that for that, I realized that it was just like, it's, it's not the plant. It, it is you. It is now that not that we discussed the dopamine side of it, but it's that that's where I'm getting my dopamine from Rajiv with music. That's his productive thing. Mine, maybe with rowing Rajiv can create music while high. I can't go row while high. Right. I can't train. I'm not getting the benefit. Like, like, yeah, you could do it, but come on guys, let's, let's be honest. Like we know that, you know, the best in the world are not out here competing at the highest level while intoxicated like in any capacity or inebriate or anything like drunk or high and this, this, that. But Rajiv has some of the best songs I've seen this motherfucker make, bro. Like fucking the, his world star video, all that kind of shit. Like you damn well know that they had bottles of fucking like Patron or bottles of fucking Espelon probably. And maybe some Henny uh-huh. and they were smoking and they had woods going. Like, you know that because it is part of it. So it's not, taking away from your productivity. So maybe, you know, maybe if let's say, I'm just going to keep using my buddy Rajiv, like maybe if he doesn't want to smoke weed and he feels like it's starting to impair other aspects of his life. Okay. 
But I don't think I've ever seen Rajiv choose to smoke weed and sit at home and do nothing instead of producing music, writing songs, directing a video, going to the studio, whatever. I mean, he's got a home still be incredibly productive, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, shit, I think man. your AirPod died. That's weird. Come on. I literally just charged. No, that's real true, bro, because people will choose to be high than rather and go do things. So I think that's kind of where I was at, too. It was like, I have these things to do, but I'd rather just sit here and be high. Like, I was choosing to smoke and be high rather than getting things done and being productive. And for certain people like Rajiv, it's part of the lifestyle of being a producer and a rapper is smoking weed. It doesn't inhibit your ability to be creative. It kind of makes you more creative. Like I was listening to a podcast with Lil Yachty the other day, and he does a lot of DMT because he says that it helps him with his creativity a lot and it makes him create bars and lyrics and for music videos and stuff that helps him with his creativity. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I even remember, like, I don't know if this guy, I mean, I've never actually personally met this guy, um, and I don't know if he still doesn't, but at least the last time that I had spoken to Rajiv about this particular, like, weed and this person, the guy 94 Fatso, um, who he's done music with, that Rajiv was saying that Fatso doesn't smoke, that, like, the two of them had gone and, and you know, and they were talking about shrooms and stuff, and they're and so talking to him about shrooms was a little different because most people who do psychedelics also tend to smoke weed because it's also a psychoactive drug and it kind of enhances and calms some of the effects <clears throat> of it. And so, like, he's in the exact same like they're on the same song in the same studio recording the same shit, right? They're you know they're both dueling on a song or Rajiv's featured on his and his featured on it, whatever, right? And one guy's not smoking weed and the other one is. And one, they're both still creating. Fatso's good, man. Like Rajiv and Fatso, I mean, they're like, Rajiv just like has a lot of very positive things to say about Fatso and his skill and talent and says that Rajiv, like, you know, he likes being around people like that who who challenge him to continue to, to improve their skill and stuff. And this is someone who isn't smoking weed. When at the same time, you never know, like, I don't think, I, I don't, not like it's a bad thing, but I don't think I've seen Rajiv go to the studio completely sober and because he he is very very in, um creative when high absolutely him and i get on some like like rajiv is always the one who says like i don't smoke weed to escape life like he's like i like he says i no this is how he always says it he's always like i don't understand how people smoke weed to escape reality because i feel like when i smoke weed i come to reality and i think that's you know it, for good and for bad right for paranoia for anxiety for deep thoughts, for, you know, life-changing thoughts, for creativity, all that kind of stuff that for one person, it takes away that creativity. It strips them of that, you know, product, like that productivity and that, that clear mind for Rajiv, maybe that gets him in the right mindset. Maybe, you know, and even if it's not the actual THC, he's used to the THC and he's used to being high and can, function normally on it right so it's the act of smoking maybe too we all know hookah and all that kind of stuff like that's part of a culture the idea you know people be smoking like uh they're fucking you know all their little vapes and all that kind of stuff because it's fun people with melatonin vapes now and and vitamin b12 vapes because it's like the act of of inhaling and exhaling a substance is enjoyable for a lot of people and and maybe even yeah. calming 
you know, and that's, and so if, if it's calming for you and it focuses you, then that's your thing. That's your prerogative and other people it's not. And so that's where I feel like the lifestyle is the biggest focus of this for us is you and I both recognize that to stop smoking weed, this wasn't purely just to remove THC from our system. This is an, an incredible lifestyle change of let's rededicate ourselves to the things that we're claiming we give a fuck about. We're here in school, right? I criticize people who go to school for no fucking reason. Why the hell are you going to pay tens of thousands of dollars or go into debt or whatever for something that you don't give a shit about, right? Or you're wasting away your life with it. It is stupid. But in my field, right, for instance, with I'm exercise science and all this kind of stuff, I eventually want to go to grad school, all that stuff. It is necessary for me or at least necessary for what I want to do because I don't just want to be a personal trainer. I could go get my personal training certification. I have the knowledge and the skills to be able to be pretty good at it, right? I'm already coaching. I already do personal training shit. I'm yoga instructor stuff without certifications, right? Because of the loopholes I've found. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm ready to stop there, right? I want to go further with things, right? Some people, why you don't need to get your MBA to be uh, to own a business. You're right, man. You don't need an MBA or MBA, not NBA, just specifying for anyone out there. You don't need your MBA to to, to be in the business world. But if you want to be hired as a CEO or a CFO or a CTO, I mean, CTO, maybe not, but CFO, at least if you're trying to be the CFO of a business and a high one, and you're trying to get hired by somebody else rather than starting it with your buddies, then absolutely. But entrepreneurship doesn't necessarily take education. That's true. And that's where like, if you're someone who is letting weed and all this kind of stuff get in your way and you claim to give a fuck about school and that's where like you and i right with me with exercise science you with fucking economics like we're claiming that we're here for a purpose that we see purpose in our degree that we're okay with taking the l of the stress and the money and the time and that we're not totally in the real world of working yet because we're investing in ourselves for the future because we know and think that this is going to help us in the track that we specifically want to follow but then how can we then sit there and skip a class or not turn in an assignment or half-ass a paper, right? Like how can we sit there and not do at least our best, right? Because your best doesn't have to be 100, right? You may not – if you only got 80% in the tank, like you'll give that 80% because that is 100. That is 100% of what you have. And it's like we're sitting here and maybe we've got 80% in the tank, but we're still only giving 60. That's not – that's not what we're claiming we value. And so I think that's been the biggest thing is for anyone out there, if you're trying to quit any habit whatsoever, any fucking habit, if it's video games, right? Like that's not a bad thing. I don't think video gaming is necessarily a bad thing. But if your lifestyle revolves around your ability to play video games and you are giving up the things that you care about or at least claim to value so that you can satisfy this habit, then it is a bad habit, right? Then it is something that is taking away from the things you claim to care about. Then you are going to burn out like that kid I'm talking about that just works at Wendy's just enough to do this is eventually you're going to realize that, oh my God, I just wasted $70,000 on a fucking degree because I took seven years to never pass. And then you don't even get the degree. Like you took seven years here, you know, taking a few classes at a time and you're $70,000 in the hole. And now you're dropping out with, you know, 90 credits and you're like, holy shit, bro, you literally wasted your time because, you know, 
you don't have any new aspirations. You're doing, you're stepping back away from it so that you can go and work at Wendy's so that you can satisfy. Cause all you really want to do is what play video games or smoke weed or drink alcohol or whatever it is. So I think that the, the best thing that you and I honestly did for ourselves, even aside from the timing of it is that we recognize that this is not just a, a substance removal. It's not just like, you know, removing, you know, fucking sugary drinks from your diet. It's like, I'm not going to put myself in situations where that's all there is to do, you know? Yeah. That's really when it becomes a bad habit, hindering you from what your future, you know, plans are. Yeah. Like why gamble away your future for something that's so instantaneous, which I, I mean, that's a whole greater thing about our Western society that we have here is, is that instant gratification shit. But I mean, I I guess like getting back to our actual timeline of stopping smoking now from seven or like maybe let's say we'll go past that 10 day mark. Right. This last week that we've just experienced here. Right. Going from uh, from Monday to now um, is I've started to see my diet is a little bit more regulated. My appetite is I, I have times I'm able to eat the meals a day that I need to. And um, and I'm enjoying them a little bit more and, and taking time to eat them a little bit more and not getting that full feeling of, ooh, and then, you know, blood sugar spike, blood sugar crash. That's not happening anymore. So I can eat and I actually feel energized rather than I need to take a nap or I need to smoke some weed, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm drinking better. You know, I always drank a lot of water, but now I feel like instead of drinking a lot of it at once, I'm, you know, drinking it a lot more throughout the day. Like I was when I was, you know, a lot healthier with things and I'm getting more steps in, right? Like I'm walking a lot more and I'm, I'm enjoying the sun on my face a little bit more. And I'm, I feel like I can see clearer, like just literally just looking out. Like, I feel like colors are more vivid. Like, uh, you know what I'm saying? They're like more beautiful. Everything's so much more like satisfying. Like you find the little things so much more enjoyable. Like even if it's a little bit of dopamine, like you're, you just go up from baseline and a little bit back down and you're still on baseline. So that's what it makes those little things so much more impactful for your day. That's the yeah. big thing I've realized. Yeah. And I always now, like think ahead sorry. too. Like even with meals too, like I know, like I can think ahead a little bit more than I'm used to being able to. I can think like, okay, it's five o'clock. Like I want to eat dinner within the next two hours. So let me plan what I'm eating. Let me plan how I'm going to do my assignment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it takes a lot of the stress because bro, weed, smoking weed alone takes a lot of your time. Like it's at mm-hmm. least, I would always for myself at least carve out two hours of time that I knew I would be zero productivity at least. Yep. Then you realize it's more like at three hours because you get the after high and you're not ready to do anything. And then if you take a nap, man, oh my God, you've given up like four to six hours of your fucking day, like smoking, then, you know, kind of coming down, then taking a nap, then waking up from the nap, then getting yourself energized enough to do shit again. By the time you're doing something, it's been four or five hours. So if your day ended at noon and you're like, you only have one more thing to do for the day. Oh, I just have a quiz to do and it's due at midnight. I'll do it later. You smoke weed, you do that, you take your nap. Now it's 5, 6 p.m. and you're hungry. Now it's time to eat. Then you kind of get that crash after because you eat a lot of this, that. And 
And now next thing you know, it's 7, 8 p.m. And your buddies are like, hey, man, we're going to watch a movie or hey, we're going to go out and do this or wow, it's a beautiful sunset. And you can't even like fucking enjoy the damn sunset because you're stressing about the shit that you've put off all day. Your dopamine is in the fucking mm-hmm. ground. And it's just like, what do we do? Like, what do you do? And you just feel so helpless. And that's where like, I totally understand. I mean, even people who don't like, I mean, that's where depression and shit comes from with most people not believing what depression is, is it's literally just an inability to regulate a lot of the hormones and, and chemicals and stuff like in your brain is that, you know, you feel that way. You feel down. You are below midline or, or baseline. I'm sorry. And like you said now, I mean, you just kind of go a little bit above baseline. You come back down to baseline. And I've also noticed even now, if I dip below baseline, like that boredom and that shitty feeling, I'm more apt to being able to get myself back you know yeah you like want it you're like oh let me get back up there so you find little things that help you climb the steps Mm -hmm. and i know i've been a little reluctant to pick it up because i'm I'm in this weird little spot right now with questioning whether or not i have the ability to be creative or not but you know i restringed up my guitar with some nice ass new drawn string bronze strings after a while cuz then bitches were getting nasty and i cleaned that hoe up got the fretboard looking nice and you know and now i mean just picking up my guitar for a few minutes and strumming away on some chords that i've known for you know years just a little progression you know like some of my favorite ones is just like playing the little knocking on heaven's door chord that's like literally 3 to 4 chords and then you play a little fucking I play Hotel California. That takes a couple minutes. You know, it's just just chords, man. I'm not going crazy with it, but just the the strumming and the being rhythmic with it, and and listening to music that you're ma- you know sound that you're making that sounds good together. Um, and you know, it, it it can be anywhere from five ten minutes to you know an hour of it, or even longer. And that's enough to bring you back to baseline at least. Like if you're below yeah. baseline and you do it, it's enough to bring you back. And I know you now have been actually taking it upon yourself to learn guitar, right? Because I'm picking it, mm-hmm. I'm re-picking it back up and I forgot just about everything, but I have some of those reflexes. You're learning it. So like, would you mind speaking on the process of how learning something new here has helped you with regulating your ability to feel balanced? Yeah, so... I knew I loved music originally and we've had talks about like making your own music and being able to like listen to the sounds that you produce yourself and picking it up at the same time that I stopped smoking weed, it kind of like fills that time a little more. And I find so much enjoyment in learning little songs, learning some riffs, being able to sit there and find the rhythm. Like I think I have really good rhythm. So for me to sit there and strum and bam, 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 it's so enjoyable, like be like so enjoyable. And it's so much dopamine for me. It kind of replaces that high feeling. Like I could sit and play guitar for hours and it feels like, you know, 30 or 40 minutes, you know, and it helps me what fill my time and find enjoyment in the little things. And I'm so glad that I picked it up. It's not that hard to teach yourself. I mean, maybe I'm just a quick learner and like, I'm able to pick things up quickly and the things that I'm having a hard time with is just like the hand movements and your fingers are cramping and the calluses, blah, blah, blah. But like, I enjoy it. I, I'm so excited to be able to like be good at it. Like, even though I suck right now and I can play like really shitty riffs, like smoke on the water is so easy. But <laughs> when you play it, it's like so much fun. And even my roommates are like, oh, hell yeah, you know, it's so enjoyable. I'm so glad I picked it up. Like, 
it's going to take me a while to get to a point where I can like say, oh, I'm good at the guitar. Like, let me show you what I can play. Like, choose a song and I'll play it. Like, that'll take a while. But like, I really want to be able to get to that point. Gives me like a goal, you know, gives me a goal to work towards. It gives me, gives me like, okay, I got 30 minutes of free time. Let me play the guitar for 30 minutes, you know, helps yeah. fill in the gaps a little more than smoking weed used to. Yeah, and I think something really interesting that you said about, like, that you're touching on is that it's kind of replacing the high of it, right? But at the same time, you have something to work towards, and there's, like, purpose to it. And not that there needs to be purpose, because, like, you know, we always talk about it. My favorite thing is there's no purpose. You give purpose. And so you're giving purpose to this, but... At the end of the day, like with weed, what do you work towards? Like, you, you know, if you're if you're spending two hours smoking weed or one hour playing guitar when you're done smoking or even if it's not smoking weed, even if we get away from weed for a second, if you spend an hour watching television when you're done, do you feel rejuvenated? Do you feel rested and ready to go attack the day? Not really. Like usually mm-hmm. like most times, I would say people don't think like, oh, I need a midday break to watch some TV. And then afterwards, I'll feel so productive. Like, it's not like consuming content and shit doesn't necessarily and consuming, you know, THC doesn't necessarily make you feel more productive afterwards. So you're saying you're able to actually take that hour and replace the high of it. So the positive benefit you get from the weed of the physical, maybe and mental feeling of joy you're replacing that. And afterwards, when you're done, you're not like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I need to pass out. I can't do homework now. You're like ready to do your homework. You're like ready to go cook some dinner. You're like ready to go fucking go for a walk and talk to your friends or whatever. So it's like a rejuvenating feeling. It's like having a damn cup of coffee. Like you for you get to you do forget your inhibitions for a little bit get that little bit of a high feel yourself get above or back to make to baseline. And then once you're there, instead of having a crash afterwards, you're ready. Like you feel good, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. It's really been a thing. Like when I come home from classes, you know, I don't want to sit down and do homework or study right away. So I spend a little bit of time playing on the guitar. It makes me forget about everything. I'm able to like, you know, find like my Zen kind of thing. You're sitting there and forgetting about stuff. And then after you're like, oh, okay, I just killed an hour. It was a productive hour. I learned things. I was able to like educate myself, teach myself new things. And now I have to like go do what I'm supposed to do, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, man. And I think another one about it that you and I started, I mean, I kind of backed off of it a little bit. I'm doing it. It's just taking time because the book that you and I chose for this semester is, is, I wouldn't say it's a self-help book because it's not. Right. Um, but in the aspects of what a self-help book does for you, um, you kind of can't mm-hmm. read the whole book in one sitting. You could. But is it really the most productive thing for you? Like you kind of need time to allow yourself to uh, incorporate what you've just learned and realize about yourself into your life. And so the book that you and I chose, right, I mean, I got it right here, is No Ordinary Moments, which is a guy, uh, you know, a guide to the, what is it? A Peaceful Warrior's Mr. Guide to Daily, Daily Life. And this is based off of Dan Millman's book that he wrote called um, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, which is his story of meeting with this um, older man that he nicknamed Socrates, 
who goes through this mystical journey together, right, and is able to teach him a lot of things and opens his eyes up to, you know, how he's been distracting himself. And he finds greater meaning and purpose in life. And a lot of the things that, you know, and we'll definitely in a, in a future podcast, you and I will speak almost maybe purely on the on the things that you and I have learned from this Peaceful Warrior uh, book and, and Dan Millman himself. But then Dan goes on to write a few more books, right? And each some of them, right, you have the Sacred Journey of the Peaceful Warrior. That is a, uh, you know, a spinoff book of, of at one point he, he talks about about his life, um, you know, almost afterwards or aside from things that he left out in the book, like things that he, he experienced um, later on from the story, the original story. Um, and then we yeah. have this book, though, here is, it, you know, being a, a peaceful warrior's guide to daily life. I mean, you and I actually discussed like I, I found it a nice idea is there's little things in here. Like one of them is the higher self where you actually have to stop for a second. And it's like, OK, let's, you know, experience our basic self by tuning into your body. Recall, blah, 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 blah. And you and I started journaling with it. And so you realize, like, after two pages of this, I had spent 45 minutes on two pages of this book because I was reading it, comprehending it. Then there was an activity to think. And I went into depth with it. And then I realized, oh, my God, I'm having realizations and stuff about my life and things that I want to change based off of just these first two pages and this first activity or these first two activities that are in this book, incorporating these things that you and I admire about that peaceful warrior way of life that we're finding ways to incorporate it. And so I'm here and I'm, you know, like one, you know, I'm on like second chapter, right. Or third chapter. Right. And it's like getting to the third chapter and it's, and I'm still incorporating the things I've learned from this book into my life. Right. And so even at it, so at a time, so like reading, I think has been a helpful thing as well. And, and, you know, some people, maybe you just want to take time to escape, like instead of watching a television show that almost you know, that blue light and all that's going to suck some of it out of you. Maybe you want to go read a Harry Potter book. Right. And you just want to mm -hmm. have some some fiction, some fantasy, some story to entertain your mind a little bit. But nobody, I feel like it's almost impossible for someone to read a chapter of a book, except maybe a textbook, right? You know, but read a chapter of a book that you chose for yourself, right? And then feel tired afterwards. Like you, you're like, oh, okay, you know what? Like that was a nice, like peaceful time to quiet my mind, like quiet my voice and all that stuff. Think and read and take it in. And now, okay, you know, I'm ready to go back to my day. And especially, I think, with these books, right? I mean, I, I would have to stop reading The Way of the Peaceful Warrior itself because I needed time to comprehend, like, what the hell did this guy Dan just go through? Oh, my God, he just had a breakthrough. I'm about to have one myself. And then it takes me two weeks to incorporate, you know, into my life the thing that I just learned from this book. And so with music and stuff, I think, like, that feeling of like rhythm translates to your whole freaking life, man. So it's like you find a little rhythm in the guitar. You find yourself becoming one with this instrument you're playing. And this sound is just, you know, it's coming through you. And and then eventually you're like, okay, now I'm ready to return back to life. And it's like I'm ready to go back to things. And I think these these habits and, um, or, or hobbies or, or whatever, tasks, whatever you want to call them, where it's not something that necessarily needs to get done like cleaning is a nice rejuvenating feeling but you're ready to rest after feeling or after cleaning it's like a reward like the rest after cleaning you feel not guilty for resting after cleaning but after reading a book you know a chapter of a book or after playing you know an hour or 30 minutes or just playing a few songs on the guitar or learning a new riff or you know drawing a freaking picture like or you going out, man, you're, you're going into little mini forests, making a little campfire and mm -hmm. hanging out in your hammock for a little bit and just letting yourself listen to the fucking trees and the, uh, you know, the wind blowing through the trees and the birds chirping. Like 
that you don't that that you're ready to return to life now and you're ready to return to doing the things that that maybe suck some of your energy out of you but are productive of course because you're like not necessarily motivated but more so just back at baseline like back to balance you know what i mean yeah 100% mhm yeah and so i mean that's where i guess i've noticed the second week now here we are at third second week i guess third yeah we just finished our second week uh they say now the week 3 is where you start to really start noticing a lot of mental health shift um is that you a massive improvement in mental clarity and health and then the the fourth week is supposed to be where all that physical health really comes in cuz we know our lungs are self cleaning we know we're pumping it out and our liver is cleaning it and our fucking you know kidneys cleaning out our blood here Yeah, GI tract. My goodness, man. Just so everyone knows out there, find some solid foods to eat because <laughs> you're st- you're, you know, just so everyone knows, the way the body works here is that your GI tract does work in self-cleaning as well. So you do poop and pee out shit. And so when you're shitting and you're getting stuff out of your body that you're no longer re-putting in there all the time, you're going to notice differences. I mean your stool is going to be awkward for a little while and so um not necessarily like like shitty fucking like you're not like debilitated with diarrhea like that's not what I mean but you're just going to notice a difference in the way your body's digesting food I mean my stomach was gurgling at times that I had just eaten and you know I had to you know shitting at different times a day like it was just like weird stuff that now I feel like I'm finally finding that baseline and it's just noticing what a rapid change it is that it's not just the THC that it's literally the lifestyle we've been living, you know. Yeah. Stuff you consume on a daily basis. Mhm. Yeah, and it's not just food consumption like we're noticing it's it's what are you consu- what are you doing with your life? Or what are you consuming from the what are you taking out of the world? Are you playing yourself some music? Are you reading a book? Are you going for a walk are you being bored and staring at the ceiling man cuz shit i've come to some crazy realizations after just 5 minutes of being bored like it literally only takes 5 minutes sometimes where you know i stared at a water bottle and started to become entertained by my water bottle and realized holy shit like if somebody was looking at me right now they'd think i was like tripping on acid because i'm staring at my water bottle smiling and giggling <laughs> and i was sober as shit right and that's that was a realization i had where it's like holy crap like some people just don't understand what it's like to be bored that they can't even fathom how i can just stand in the elevator and not be on my phone that i can stare at the wall for 10 floors which takes all of 30 to 45 seconds but or maybe a minute and a half for stopping at a floor or two but other people are like looking at me like i'm crazy and they're just flipping through their home screen because they can't fathom the idea of not having something to consume in that moment. So yeah, I mean, stimulation, I, yeah. Mhm. So how and what you consume really does shape your lifestyle. 100%. Well, shit, man. I mean, I think we've gotten to a pretty good point here with everything. I mean, I think we painted out for everyone, you know, obviously Austin and I the circumstances of our meeting and ever since meeting we've kind of gone on this journey of trying to to learn more about ourselves and the world um and and improve ourselves and constantly be on a progressive path because remember it's not success it's progress right and so while you and I 
we'll finish off this year taking the last two months to not smoke weed. That doesn't mean that the first 10 months weren't consumed by a lot of smoking, but that's better than the year before, right? So if you're focused mm -hmm. on, oh, I didn't go the whole year without smoking, or I went most of the year smoking, then you're not focusing on the victory of, well, I smoked the least amount this year that I've smoked in four years since I started smoking. And it's like, that's a, that's a big shift, man. I mean, that's a big, a big win. And, and I think painting out for people, some of the, the, the things you'll notice when you first, when it first happens, but that in the end, the shitty feelings of it are very superficial. Once you can get past it, you realize the deeper meaning of stuff, you know, you stop seeking pleasure and you start giving purpose. And, and I feel very purposeful and I still find pleasure in the world. And now, like you said, I mean, the whole world is a little bit more beautiful now. And, and so it's easier to find pleasure in everyday things. Yep. Every day you find the little things that you just put the smile on your face. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Austin, very, very much for being on this podcast here and, and, and giving our listeners a lot to think about and a lot to, uh, you know, or at least, you know, spending a couple hours listening to something that's a little bit more productive than maybe keeping up with the Kardashians. And so hopefully anyone who's out there that, that gets to listen to this um, finds a little bit of their own lifestyle that they can, you know, you don't have to change everything about your life, but you should always be trying to make things a little bit better. And, and lucky for us, we found a nice big radical change we could make to, to set us on a path that's better for us. Um, so Austin, I mean, is there any last yeah. few words you'd like to leave our listeners with here until next time? Obviously, Austin will be back on the podcast many, many times. Big close friend of mine. Yeah. yeah so guys, it's just, you know, one day at a time. You know, when I when we brought forth the idea of stopping the smoke, I was like, wow, like really the rest of the year, 64 days. But it was just one day at a time where it was like, oh, OK, day one, day two. And then it comes to a point where, you know, you, you don't even think about it anymore. So if you just make that one step, it's easier to make the second, and then the second's easier to make the third, and so on, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, man. One step at a time. I love that. I really do. One step at a time. Well, thank you so much, Austin. Uh, obviously, continue good luck with your own journey with this, because while we're, we're, while we're in this you. together, you have your own battles, and I have mine, and I'm very glad that you were able to come on here and be uh, unfiltered here for us and give some of your own personal experiences and struggles and opening up about some of the things that you uh, dislike about yourself and some of your own, you know, maybe, you know, I kind of myself as well, like our failures and the things we didn't like about ourselves and our lifestyle. That's not easy to talk about for a public audience um, and not easy to talk about in depth and self-analyze and self-reflect. So Thank you for your vulnerability and openness and uh, we'll keep it. We'll have you on here again for sure. For sure. Show the right. show. Well, thank you everyone. This is Sanjay unfiltered. We've got much more to come and uh, have a great day.